Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Sauce of the Scary. Jeff Wright, Derek Zoo here with you this week as we begin our trip into the Cloverfield universe. Jeffrey, what's going on, buddy? How are you? I'm doing okay. Are we sure it's a trip and not a trick? Ah, uh, man. I, I mean, not to not to go ahead and give my hand away, but um, this was a trip for me rewatching this movie. Uh, the next two probably will be treks, but uh, but this one was a trip. Yeah, I, I enjoyed this movie as well. I'm just I'm nervous about some of the future titles we got to look at here. Oh yeah, <clears throat> no doubt. But you know what? That's what we do for the love of our fans. So you're welcome. Uh, you know, I kind of powered over the how you doing. Uh, how, how's life treating you, Derek? Oh man, things are good. Uh, just busy, crazy busy. I don't. What day is it? Is it Wednesday? It's the day after yesterday. That's all I can manage so far in my calendar right now. Yeah, that's pretty much all I've got too. So, um, but no, things are good. Uh, I'm a little bit tired. Probably gonna take a nap after we get done recording this podcast. But until then, let's dive right into everyone's favorite part of the show. Jeff hates trailers. And Jeff, I wanted to do something a little different this week for Jeff H. Trailers. Uh, I know I'm kind of springing this on you, but I wanted to go over one specific trailer with a little help from uh, an expert. So if you'll indulge me, I'm going to call in the host of the Shazam cast, Jeff Wright, to talk about the Shazam trailer. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to do that. In fact... <laughs> If you uh, if you want a longer version of that very thing, you can check out the latest episode of the Shazam Cast. It's probably probably too in depth for the uh, the listeners that saw something scary, but yeah, if you're into it, uh, you can download it. Hey, I listened to it yesterday, man. I thought it was oh, good okay. stuff. Okay, well, thanks, Derek. I appreciate that. Yes, sir. So, uh, yeah, I'm just going to I'm going to give it over to you. I've got a couple more trailers that I want to talk about, but uh, hit us with the Cliff Notes, Cliff's Notes version of the uh, Shazam trailer. Yeah, well, it's really fun kind of watching the world react to the to the trailer with joy. I think that we've been clear on here before. We think Zack Snyder is a problem, not a solution. And I'm not surprised that, you know, the movies coming out of D.C. that have the least amount of his involvement are the ones that people like the most. Think about Wonder Woman, uh, Shazam now and Aquaman as well. It, um, I think it catches a tone that is needed in the DC Extended Universe. Um, I'm not surprised that people find the character really compelling, even if they're not familiar with him. He's, you know, he as a character, he's proven to be able to draw new generations of fans in for multiple decades now. So, you know, that stuff's kind of fun. I'm enjoying that. Um, Zachary Levi looks great. The uh, the rest of the casting looks great. We've talked about it on here. I'm a Sandberg fan as a director, so there's a ton of positive stuff there. Uh, the the on the on the negative side though, uh, they're they're clearly playing off the storyline that Jeff Johns told in 2011 in the new 52 edition of DC's continuing <laughs> efforts to reboot its universe, and he made some changes that I don't think improve. I think they they really take away. Uh, one of the things that's classic about the character is that um, Billy Batson is basically the heroes of the is the hero of the story. He's this orphan kid, but he has a heart of gold. Never gives up. Always finds a way to to do what's right. You can see this in a great DC animated short called Superman and uh, Shazam. Versus Black Adam, they get Billy Batson right there. Well, Jeff Johns turns Billy Batson into this cynical kind of you know jerk kid. I, I just think you're throwing away a better character for a worse character there. And the other the other issue that I have with it is that um, one of the powers that Billy gets when he says the magic word is the uh, wisdom of Solomon. 
And you can imagine if you had the you know, the accumulated wisdom of a ancient Jewish uh, mystic or whatever dropped into your head, it's going to change your personality. But John's <laughs> and now this movie are playing this movie uh, or playing this character as big meets superpowers, which makes for some laughs. Uh, and I'm going to enjoy watching it. It's just not as good as it could have been because I think the original character is more compelling. Um, lastly, they they did this crazy thing where the wizard, who's named Shazam in the classic stories, um, they transferred that name to the to the superhero. But if you notice in that trailer, it's Shazam is still the wizard's name, but I guess it's going to be the character's name too. And that's because Marvel currently owns the copyright to the name Captain Marvel. I uh, I just think they've came up with a dumber solution than leaving it, uh, you know, Shazam for the for the wizard and continuing to call the character Captain Marvel. So on the balance, there's some stuff there I regret as a guy who knows this character really well and has been reading him for years. But it's hard not to be happy and enthusiastic about, uh, you know, that, that I'm going to get to see a movie with a character who looks a lot like Captain Marvel up on the big screen. And Zachary Levi looks like he's playing it up and it looks like it's well well made, at least based on the trailer. So I'm, I'm, I'm at like 85% as happy as I could be. Uh, so, you know, I'll take it. Uh, anything, anything in that rant there that uh, you were hoping I would mention that I didn't cover? No, that was that was pretty much it. Um, there's a couple couple follow up questions I have for you though. Okay. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, first off, what do you think about the suit? Because I've heard a lot of uh, negativity about the suit, um, and it was one of the things where I was like, I, I thought it was cool. And those, you know, uh, full disclosure to our to our listeners, uh, I've been sending Jeff pictures. Uh, well, that that sounds weird, but. <laughs> <laughs> I've been sending Jeff pictures of the uh, of the movie every time that I see any online, and I always thought that the suit looked cool. But then in the trailer, the suit looks a little too unrealistic. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, again, I'm going to just point this to the to the craziness of using John's material. So when John's did the character uh, in New Fifty Two, he he made it where the the emblem on the chest was crackling with energy. Okay. Well, they can't. I mean, how do you bring that to to actual visual medium? You know what I mean? Yeah. Costume. Yeah. So they went for this kind of Iron Man style glow. Okay. Uh, my disappointment is in using a more juvenile uh, remix character as Captain Marvel and calling him Shazam. But once you grant to me they're going to use a juvenile version of Captain Marvel named Shazam, it makes sense to me if they're if they're positioning him as like Spider-Man of the DC universe, that his costume's going to look a little cheesy and a little hokey. I, I almost guarantee you that Sandberg thought that out and said this should look a little kiddish because they so much want to emphasize a kid's brain and Superman's body. So okay. once you give me the premise that I'm not happy about, namely that we're not getting Captain Marvel, we're getting this Shazam weirdo that Jeff Johns created that's like <laughs> the generic version of Captain Marvel, I'm much more able to be like, yeah, the costume fits with that vision. Does that make sense? If if I were yeah, yeah. writing this movie, it wouldn't look this way. But if they're going to make him a big, goofy kid, well, his costume is going to be a little bit more goofy. Sure. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. And then um, my, my follow-up question would be, is Captain Marvel, do you consider Captain Marvel to be your favorite comic book character? No, Batman's still up there. <coughs> and, uh, you know, Batman's holding the pole position. 
Uh, Spider-Man has historically been a character I've really followed, uh, but Captain Marvel is in my top three, and he's by far the most underappreciated, uh, neglected character, I think, in comic books right now. And so w- when I started the Shazam cast, I thought, this just doesn't need to be uh, the situation. It, this guy deserves more. This character deserves more attention. More people should know how awesome he is. So that's how I ended up running a podcast about him. He's definitely top three. He may be top two, but I like Batman better. It's just that, you know, everybody loves Batman. Right. Well, I mean, because Batman's the best. Yeah. No, I mean, no argument. Uh, True story. I'm really going to reveal the depths of my nerddom here. Uh, (laughs) There was a time when I I wrote up some... uh, some Batman and uh, and then also some Captain Marvel fan fiction. Nothing crazy. Like these are just straight up superhero <laughs> stories. Yeah, yeah, that that actually happened. <clears throat> I'm not laughing at that. I'm just laughing at how the the fan fiction could have win. Yeah, yeah. So I didn't do that version of it. But in my stories, when Billy Batson realizes he's got all these superpowers, he mm-hmm. goes and seeks Batman out to to teach him how to how to train and how to actually fight in case he runs up against something that uh, you know just being super strong can't take down. Ooh, I like that. Yeah, yeah. So that that was me merging the streams. Hey, man, that's cool. Um, somewhere in my archives of my uh, computer, there's a Batman script uh, for, a, for a movie that I'll never let anyone see because I wrote it at like 13 and it was terrible. But I've held it. on to it just in case. Yeah, I get it. <clears throat> so. All right. Well, cool. Well, uh, Jeff, thanks so much for for being on Saw Something Scary this week. And if you would like to hear more from Jeff Wright, you can listen to the Shazam cast, uh, which is available on all your favorite platforms. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, So that'll do it for uh, Shazam. There was just a couple more things that I wanted to talk about. One was the uh, new Godzilla trailer. Did you watch that? I didn't, man. I I am such, I mean, we'll talk about this in this movie, but I so very much enjoy monster movies that I know Mm -hmm. I'm going to go watch that one. I love the, you know, the Godzilla movie from, what was it, 14 or 15 and, and was over the moon about Kong Skull Island. So I saw this make a lot of news, but I haven't watched it. Yeah. Um, dude, I, I can't wait. Like awesome. I need, I need to go back and, and rewatch the Godzilla movie that was from what, like 2014. Yeah. Yeah. I need to go back and rewatch that. I think that, I think I watched it on a day where I wasn't ready to watch it and wasn't uh, really that like involved in it. Yeah. So I need, <clears throat> excuse me. I need to go back and watch that uh, just to go ahead and get prepared for this next one, but this next one looks really, really good. So I'm really excited about it. I think you're going to find out that that movie owes a lot to the Cloverfield movie. We're reviewing this episode. Yeah. And it also has the best, the best Olsen sister in as well. So that's a treat. Man, man, shots fired. (laughs) Come at me. Olsen twin fans. (laughs) We know there's still some of you out there. You're probably 45 year old men, but come at Jeff, Wright. Yeah, dude, I'm super right. excited for that. Maybe, uh, maybe the universe would align where we could go watch it together. I, it, unless something prohibits me that I can't, you know, manage, I'll be there opening night for that one. Yeah, if uh, if the movie past gods allow that to continue into <laughs> May of 2019, I'll be there for sure. I'll be there regardless. But I would like to be there with my movie pass instead right. of you know having to pay. Uh, movie prices for it. Speaking of which, man, I haven't used my movie badge yet. I haven't had time. Oh, dude, you got to get on it while you can. Right? 
I know. Well, Mission Impossible comes out this week, so I think that'll be the first one I go watch. Well, dude, I was planning on skipping that till you know home video or whatever. Mm-hmm. But uh, dude, the reviews on that thing are incredible. Yeah, it's like it's got like a ninety five percent Rotten Tomato score on it right now. Yeah, it blew me away. Yeah. Well, you know, the last one was really good. Um, I kind of checked out on the Mission Impossible franchise after three. Yeah. I thought three had kind of jumped the shark. Philip Seymour Hoffman was the best part of that movie. He was awesome. Uh, I'm, I'm like halfway through a rewatch on that one right now. He, I miss him so much. Yeah, I was just I was about to say, I mean, that's kind of a redundant thing to say. I feel like you could say that about almost any movie that Philip Seymour Hoffman is in. But um, yeah, I, I kind of thought that they kind of jumped the shark. But this la- the last one was was really good. And this one looks like it's going to be really good, too. And excuse me, I know that uh, Henry, <laughs> I know that Henry Cavill has been kind of under fire for some of his. Uh, idiotic comments that he's made over the last couple of weeks, but um, he looks like a he, he's not Billy Baston, but he's Billy Bade in this movie, and I'm I'm really excited to see it. So, well, can you catch me up on that? Because I think we've talked about this on here before. All the problems with the DCEU, they have not been Henry Cavill's fault. Like, I've really enjoyed the way he has thrown himself into Superman. Yeah. I think he's just had bad material. And so I've kind of been excited to like, hey, maybe this is who Cruz will hand the Mission Impossible franchise off to. What did he say? Oh, he just, he said something about, um, what did he say? He said something along the lines of, uh, it's hard for me to flirt with women because I'm too afraid that one of them is going to go and like say that I raped them or something. I mean, something along those lines. I don't think it was that extreme, but it was just one of those things where I was like, buddy, you can't, (laughs) you can't say stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, I, it comes from, I think it comes from a genuine place and I don't want to, I don't want to get too far into it because I don't want to, I myself don't want to say something that I shouldn't, but uh, I, I think it it came from a genuine place, but he just said it wrong. And of course, everyone just attacked him for it. So, yeah, well, uh, not to kind of step in it myself, but as a guy who, yeah, like there's a lot of young men that, that we're involved with as a church because we're in a university town. Mm-hmm. And so I've got the privilege of being involved in these guys' lives. And I can tell you, uh, I'm not. I don't think any of them are afraid that they're going to be accused of raping someone or harassing someone. But they, they kind of self-report that dating right now is really confusing because uh, one, it's it's just hard to tell how old uh, a young woman is because it seems like uh, styles have kind of merged, and, and it's hard to tell is this person 18 or you know 32. Um, and the other thing they say is that you know on the fly you're kind of having to reevaluate your game basically. And they're like, I don't want to like harass a young lady, but what if something I think is cool is not? And it's left them kind of timid. You know, I'm like, guys, you've just got to be gentlemen. You got to be gentlemen and upright and forthright and not do it in a creepy way. I think there's a way forward, but I do know that guys in the dating world, at least the ones I know, are are reporting some, uh, you know, some difficulty in reorienting themselves the way they should. They want to do it. They're just, they're having a hard time figuring out where the signposts are. Yeah. Well, I mean, <clears throat> I think it's I think it's pretty simple. You be a gentleman and you don't rape, and no one's gonna <laughs> no one's gonna accuse you of being a rapist. But. Well, yeah, that, I mean, that's you know, obviously, I'm coming at this from a from a Christian perspective. We have sure. the advantage of if you just conduct yourself in a way that's loving to your neighbor, you know, you honor them basically the way we're we're taught to. Right. It, it solves a lot of those problems. Right. I think the problem is that so many people in the church are uh, kind of trained to think through what's acceptable, not by Christian standards. And so they they're having to like detox, basically. And, and in that yeah. sense, it's a good thing that's happening. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, uh, back to, back on point. 
<laughs> I uh, yeah, I think I think Mission Impossible is going to be the first movie I, I try to go watch on the on the old movie pass. So uh, when I get a day off this next week, that sounds like a good way to break it in. Yeah, I thought so. Uh, it was going to be the Equalizer two, but I just didn't have time and. I don't know. Call me old fashioned, but I want my first time to be with something special. (laughs) Hey, uh, I should have brought this up as a point of humor when Jeff was on talking about Shazam, but there's a meme going around that I think you'll appreciate. It is, uh, it's a mashup of, you know, Ben Affleck standing in the back cave and the, uh, the scene where Shazam comes to the window and tells his, uh, his fellow adopted or orphan, uh, Freddie Freeman, not to be afraid and kind of introduces himself. Mm-hmm. And the sign he holds up doesn't say it's me for, uh, Billy. It says, adopt me, please. <laughs> and the next panel says, I'm already named bat son. So, Oh, uh, oh man, that's really funny. Pretty good stuff there. Good, good yeah. memeing out there. Whoever you are, I like that a lot. Uh, okay, so the last one I've got for you this week, <clears throat> man, and this actually was uh, brought brought to my attention and actually our attention by a uh, contributor to the show, Jody Webster. Uh, but it's a movie called He's Out There, and it stars Yvonne Strahovski. Oh, enjoyed her in Dexter. Yeah, she's great in Dexter. She was also great in uh, Chuck. I'm pretty sure she was in Chuck. Mm, Chuck there, uh, featuring Zachary Levi playing Captain Marvel. It all comes full circle, Derek. Yeah, exactly. And so anyway, the synopsis on He's Out There is, on vacation at a remote lake house, a mother and her two young daughters must fight for survival after falling into a terrifying and bizarre nightmare conceived by a psychopath. Hmm. <clears throat> Jeff, I know you hate trailers and this one may give too much away, but I'm going to, I'm going to put it up on our, uh, we saw something scary Facebook group page. Uh, as a matter of fact, I'm going to put all the trailers up that we've talked about today, Godzilla, Shazam, and this one. Uh, I, I would assume that because uh, SDCC was so popular last week, the majority of you have probably seen the Shazam trailer and you've probably seen the Godzilla trailer, but if you haven't, they'll be on our group page by the end of, well, by the time you hear this. Uh, but I'm also going to put He's Out There on there. And I... I almost want you to watch this because if had I had I just read about this movie, I would have been like, oh, OK, it's going to be some slasher flick and it's not going to be a big deal. But after watching the trailer for it, I'm very intrigued. Oh, OK. OK. Well, you know, so, this isn't one that I know for sure that I watch. So tell you what, Derek, I'm happy to watch that and report back on a future episode. OK, perfect. Yeah, I think that would be great. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see where you fall on that. I believe it comes out sometime in September. And uh, and actually, after watching the trailer for it, it's it's one where I was like, I'd be happy to review that on the show. Oh, so, okay. <clears throat> so you let me know what you think. And uh, listeners, you let us know what you think about it as well. Uh, let us know if you think it's something that you would like to hear from us down the road. And we'll, we'll see where we land on it. Yeah, sounds good. Cool. Well, that's all I got for Jeff H. Trailers. This week, man. All right. Well, then that means we need to jump into this week's and I've got a couple things here I want to run in front of you. And then I think you said you've got a couple you want to put in front of me, right? Yes, sir. All right. So this is good news. I, I, I'm doing this completely as as friend service to my to my buddy, Derek. Did you see that Buffy the Vampire Slayer is getting a, re- a reboot and Joss Whedon's involved? I did see that. And I'm pumped about it. 
So 20th Century Fox, um, which obviously produced the original, offered a new take to writer Monica Owusu-Breen. I hope I said that correctly. And uh, yeah, she's going to be the showrunner on the reboot. Uh, Whedon's going to be an executive producer. They're going to cast a black actress to uh, to play Buffy. They, they don't have a network yet attached, but it looks like they're wanting to start a bidding war between networks and, and like, you know, Netflix and, and Hulu. So Man, Derek, it seems clear to me this is going to get made, and and with Whedon involved, you, you got to feel good about it, right? That I guess that's where you're saying your pump coming from. Uh, yeah, man. Uh, I, you know, I, I don't think it's a secret. I think we've talked about it on here before. I'm, I was a big Buffy the Vampire Slayer fan back in the day. More so, uh, I enjoyed the Angel series that spun off of that uh, of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, but. But yeah, dude, I, I think it's great. I think that Buffy is something that you could honestly reboot every decade um, with someone else and, you know, do a whole nother, uh, you know, a whole nother series of stories with, uh, you know, there's there's really no reason to go back to the well with like the, you know, recycled stories from the Sarah Michelle Geller series. I think you could do just a whole, you know, a whole nother thing now. And my goodness, that was 20 years ago. Can you believe that? Buffy that's, the Vampire Slayer came out 20, 21 years ago. That's hurting my heart, man. Good yeah, night. my goodness. So, uh, yeah, so I'm going to go throw up real quick. But yeah, I'm, I'm pumped. I'm pumped about it. And uh, I'll definitely try to pick that up. Is it? So they're going to. OK, so it's not bound to any any uh, cable channel or anything yet. Not yet. I mean, somebody will definitely pick it up. They're just going to milk that thing for all the money in the world. And oh, yeah, I don't blame them at all. Yeah. What are the odds you think that Amazon or Netflix picks it up before anyone else does? I would imagine that Netflix is probably the leader in the clubhouse, wouldn't you? I mean, they, they're spending a ton of money on content. And if you're a creator, it, it just you just have less restrictions working with a streaming service, you know? Yeah, I, I think that uh, you're probably right on that. But, you know, Amazon's been pulling out some really good stuff, too. I think, you know, we talked about the Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Um, you know, Jack Ryan is going to be on there next month. Uh, and, and honestly, Jack Ryan is the whole reason why I re-signed up for Amazon Prime. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, I'm curious to see where this goes and, and what happens. But I'm definitely going to give the first, like, what, half a dozen episodes a shot to see if it's, you know, got the old the old vigor from, from the original series and from the movie. I was a big fan of the movie, too. Yeah. So, yeah. a matter of fact, uh, did, you, did you ever watch the movie, the v- Buffy the Vampire Slayer movie? The one, now, the one that I'm thinking of is the one that had, what was her name? Um, she was like a 90s star. Was it... Um, I know, was there a movie that came out of the Whedon verse version of Buffy? Yeah, so Joss is. I mean, this is a Joss Whedon character from the beginning, and he but it, was there one that had was it Sarah Michelle Gellar? No, Christy Swanson. That's it. Yeah, dude, I watched that. I had a huge crush on Christy Swanson. Huge crush. Yeah, I don't know anybody who lived through the early '90s who didn't have a crush on Christy Swanson. Yeah, well, number me among the 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 masses there. Not only her, but also Donald Sutherland. <laughs> I don't know anyone who lived through the early 90s didn't have a crush on Donald Sutherland, but that's just me. Yeah, it, it may be just you, but that's no, <laughs> there's nothing wrong with that. You know? Dude, look at uh, listen to the the murderer's row in this Buffy the Vampire Slayer movie from 1992. So the aforementioned Christy Swanson, Donald Sutherland, Paul Rubens, Rutger Hauer, Luke Perry, Hilary Swank, David Arquette, Stephen Root. Thomas Jane, that's 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 pretty much the only people that I can think of that have gone on to bigger and better. I'm not sure why they kept making movies after that. I mean, that's pretty much the peak, right? Right, yeah. I mean, this is essentially Shawshank. <laughs> 
I may have to go back and rewatch that. Yeah. Uh, actually, I'll say this. I'm I'm willing, if you are, to review that some, some somewhere down the line. Okay. Yeah, I'm game. Listeners, you want to hear that? Let us know. Yeah, just let us know. You can go on our Facebook group. We saw something scary. I'm just going to plug that after everything. That sounds great. Yeah. <laughs> what you got next for us, bud? I've got the Curse of La Llorona, which apparently uh, terrified the people who attended the Scare Diego section of Comic-Con. Okay. So this is directed by Michael Chavez. Uh, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. I may, may be butchering it entirely likely. Written by Mickey Daughtry um, and Tobias Iaconis. But it's based on the real-life Mexican folklore of the ghost of a weeping woman who essentially terrorizes and attempts to take children and scares the blank out of anyone who comes in her way. Um, the the big name attached to this, though, is James Wan, and he produced this. It stars Linda Cardet. Cardellini. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Raymond Cruz and Patricia Velasquez. Anyway, we know it's set in the 70s. Cardellini plays a widowed social worker raising two kids. As she's investigating a case, she begins to find similarities between it and that supernatural entity I just mentioned. Uh, anyway, the, apparently they showed quite a bit of this movie, or what they've got done so far anyway, at Scare Diego, and it got really good reviews. And so we have we have more from James Wan. We have sort of the you know rooting it in a particular community, which I think is cool. It, mm-hmm. it seems like this is outside of the Conjuring universe. And early reviews are positive. So the film is set to be released April 19th next year. And that's got me pretty excited. Okay. Yeah, man. That's pumped. Uh, I have long had a huge crush on Linda Cardellini. Oh, okay. so, so I don't I'm, think I'm, I'm particularly familiar with, with her work. Linda Cardellini was Hawkeye's wife in uh, Ultron. Oh, okay, okay. She was she was Velma in the live action Scooby Doo movies. Um, did you ever watch Bloodline? Was that a Netflix original? Yeah, it had Kyle Chandler in it. Yeah, I watched like the first five or six episodes. I really enjoyed it. I just didn't she, finish it out. She was the sister oh, in okay. Bloodline. Oh, yeah. Okay, so yeah, I guess I do know some of her work. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, she was also in, if memory serves, she was also in Freaks and Geeks. I don't know if you ever watched that or not, but no, that's one of those. Um, like 90s staples that somehow I ended up managing to miss. Yeah. So I th- I'm pretty sure that's where she got her start. But but yeah, I've long had a crush on Linda Cardellini. So this uh, I'll definitely be there for that. Yeah, sweet. Okay. Um, let's see. A couple of things. Oh, before we move on from that. So that's April 19th, 2019. We get Muschietti's It sometime uh, that summer, I'm guessing. Uh, two, 2019 shaping up pretty well. Yeah, man. Yeah, and Godzilla. We get Godzilla next yeah, year, too. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. Get in here, New Year. A um, couple more things, and I'll hand it over to you. One, the Joe Bob revival, the the drive-in special that <laughs> we've mentioned on a previous episode. It was so popular that Shudder is bringing him back later this year. Um, that came out from Shudder on Twitter. I I, you know, I think it's kind of ironic. Like the early advertising for the first version of this thing was, it'll never happen again. One time only. You can't even like go back in the archives and watch this. We're going to live stream it and it'll disappear forever. And pretty quick, they were like, nope, we're going to put that up available for anybody to watch anytime they want to. And we'll do some more of it. But um, I think we've talked about this a little bit on here. I've enjoyed what I've seen from from that series. Uh, just kind of doing some watching as I've uh, you know put something on in the background while I'm working. And uh, I'm happy for them to bring it back. So, uh, have you got a chance to look at any of that? No, man, I, I haven't. I've been, I'm just so busy right now. Yeah. Um, no, I'm no having to prioritize things. <laughs> yeah, I'm just curious. 
Yeah. If you do jump in, jump in on that sleep away camp. I want to, I want to hear your thoughts. Yeah. It, when I get the time, uh, which I think, I think I've got next Monday off and I'm just going to stay home and work on some stuff next Monday. I'm not going to really do well. I'll probably go watch mission impossible, but besides that, I'm not going to do much anything else. So I'll probably hop on shutter and watch uh, Sleepaway camp. Uh, that way I can report back to you guys about it next week on the show. But mm-hmm. yeah, I'm, I'm very curious to, uh, to partake in that. And, you know, I know uh, a friend of the podcast, Mike D is pretty, has been pretty pumped up about this stuff. So usually anything that Mike D gets pumped up for, uh, I'm, I'm all in on. So once, uh, once I have the time, man, I'll, I'll definitely sit down and, and watch a little bit of it. Yeah. I think, yeah, uh, I, I think you gotta hang. I mean, we've talked about this last episode, sleepaway camp. You're going to see it coming from the moment you, you hit play, uh, right. but you got to hang with the whole, the whole thing there, man. The, the, the end of the movie is the payoff. So I'm, I can't yeah, wait to hear what you think. I'm really looking forward to it. Um, lastly, and this is kind of dovetailing into what we're reviewing. JJ Abrams has a new movie coming out in November and he swears it is not connected to Cloverfield, but there is all kinds of information on the internet to uh, to dispute that. It's called uh, Overlord. Oh, Overlord, yeah. And we've got a trailer for it. I went and watched it because I'm your faithful horror reporter. Uh, it looks like an adaptation of the Wolfenstein video game. Did you ever play that? Oh, yeah. Love that game. Uh, plus that Russian sleep experiment urban legend where you know, they keep people up forever and they're using a special gas and things just go crazy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, if you put that in a blender, it looks like Overlord. Uh, again, he swears it has nothing to do with Cloverfield. I don't know that we should believe that or not, but anyway, right. it's out there and we may know what our next installment of the Cloverfield universe is. Okay. Yeah. I've got a friend of mine. Well, a friend of the show, Josh Hull, uh, he posted that trailer on his Facebook page and was like, can't wait to see what's going on next in Cloverfield. And uh, I had, I had read about this, you know, that he said he swore it wasn't connected to Cloverfield. So I don't know, maybe, maybe he's just working us all brother, brother. Yeah. I mean, it, based on the trailer, what's in there, uh, if it is part of the Cloverfield universe, it's taking it in directions we have not seen yet. Okay. So there's that little tease out there if you want to go check it out. Yeah. Well, I am anxious to anxious to see where that leads us then. All right, man. Well, that covers what I had brought to the table. What, what, what do you got? Okay. So I've got two things uh, that are real quick. The first one is this. I stumbled upon a horror uh, game for your iPhone. I'm not for sure for you Android users if it's on your uh, on your system or not, but for you iOS Apple fans, there is a game called Granny. And Granny is, uh, let me pull it up real quick so I can I can tell you about it. So essentially, you are locked in this room, or you're locked in this house, and you're trying to get away from this psychotic grandmother. Uh, Brother, that is available on the Android, the Google Play Store. So okay, it is, so it's 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 available for both. Yeah, uh, you have five days to escape this psychotic grandmother's house, and you're trying to sneak around her. You're trying to you know make sure that you don't get caught, but you have five days to escape. I have played it. Uh, I I played it. As a matter of fact, I played it last night at two a.m. because I couldn't sleep. Uh-huh. And uh, it's best if you put earbuds in okay. and, and play it. Uh, and at certain parts, man, it kind of I, I kind of like had to turn the light on because <laughs> oh. I well, because I just, you know, I had the lights off. I've got a I've got a blackout curtain in my room to keep the light out and everything. So it was pitch black. Okay. And I, I'm just I'm just I've got my earbuds in and I'm just I'm in this world. And at one point, Granny came up from behind me and it, it was a jump scare. I was like, holy smokes. So oh, that's dope. Like, OK, I'll check that. Yeah. Out. Yeah. So for those of you who are uh, who are wanting to have a, a game on your phone that you can play in the middle of the night when you're 
when you're suffering from insomnia like I was. Download Granny. It's pretty fun. Yeah. I've yet to beat it. So there you All go. Right. Uh, and then also, I want to let you guys know that as of the our recording, we're recording this on July 25th, the first three episodes of Castle Rock are up on Hulu. Woohoo! Finally, man. Yeah. So I know that we've been talking about this, it feels like, for a year. Um, and so it's, it's, it's here. It's time. And uh, I plan to, the first chance I get, I plan to watch uh, those three episodes and I will report back on them or Jeff, you and I can have a small little discussion about them next week if you'd like. Yeah, that sounds good. I'm looking forward to it. And I think it's, I think it's 10 episodes. So we should get one every week for the next seven weeks. So pretty excited. Yeah, that's, that's been a long time coming. I'm looking forward to that for sure. Well, Derek, I believe that covers all of our material for this week. This has been this week's Are you ready to pull the curtain on Cloverfield? Yeah, let's get down dirty. All right. Why well, can can we start with taking a a moment to remember the marketing for this movie back in the day? Man, I think you have to. Yeah, um, I'm going to read kind of a lengthy excerpt from the uh, Little White Lies website. Not because I think it's particularly profound, but because I think it it reminds us of just how new, fresh, and in depth the original marketing for this movie was. Okay. So here we go, guys. In the middle of the summer of 2007, a movie season dominated by the third entries in the Spider-Man, Shrek, and Pirates of the Caribbean franchises. By the way, talk about a time capsule. Yeah, man. Holy smokes. Uh, in, in that environment, a bomb dropped. The trailer for Abraham, Abrams and Matt Reeves' Cloverfield attached to the first Transformers on its opening weekend. The preview for a film then completely unknown to the general public begins with camcorder footage of young New Yorkers in the middle of a going away party for a friend. About 30 seconds in, the lights go out, loud rumbles are heard, a fireball streaks through the sky, someone yells, it's alive. The trailer closes with a now iconic image, Lady Liberty's decapitated head, smashing into the streets of Manhattan. The entire spectacle, perhaps unconsciously in 2008, and more obviously with hindsight, instantly evokes 9-11, of course. Uh, this stunt, to release a trailer for a secretly produced film into theaters without a title even attached to it, was as fresh as new- as a newly skinned knee. For many movie fans, the ensuing months disappeared down a rabbit hole of clues, rumors, and red herrings about the film, uh, known at that time simply by its release date, which was 1-1808. Speculation ran rampant on various message boards. Um, it caught up Blogspot, live journal pages. Some said it was an American Godzilla that was coming. Others thought it was going to be a big screen adaptation of Voltron or a, uh, a Cthulhu movie. At that time, the Bad Robot logo and the trailer's opening, all we knew you know, Bad Robot from was Lost, so people were thinking it was maybe a Lost big screen adaptation. Um, eventually, Bloody Disgusting reported the project was called Monstrous, and it, there was rumors online that it was going to be called Colossal or Slushow, but that real title, <laughs> yeah, isn't that funny? Oh, man. What a wonderful what a wonderful thing that would have been if we were on here discussing the Slushow universe. <laughs> Well, it turns out that uh, we had the title all along, Ain't It Cool News, which talk about how things have changed from uh, when Ain't It Cool News was a thing. Man. Uh, they reported the title as Cloverfield on the 21st of June in 07. Uh, of course, Cloverfield opened the floodgates for found footage, but Little White Lies, I think, rightly says it's actually not in that arena that the film's been most influential. Uh, it's been influential through what they call augmented reality games as part of a hype marketing system. So back in the day, the publicity teams at Paramount and Bad Robot they put together this marketing campaign that didn't really tell us what the film would be, but it it brought viewers into the experience of 
discovering and unfolding the publicity for the movie. So we got these breadcrumbs, right? The trailer came, um, but it was shot before the film was completed. And so it had these obscured images. Uh, There's all the speculation around that. Uh, There's a website, 11808.com. There was time-coded photos correlated to the trailer. Uh, lots of random clues scattered across the internet. There was a website for Slusho, which was a soft drink brand. Um, and I guess those show up in Abraham's films pretty regularly, Slusho. Also, Tagaru- Tagarato, uh, a non-existent Japanese company that was somehow involved in the unearthing of the Cloverfield monster. Um, you know, most of these things are down now. Uh, they said 11808 redirects to Paramount, for instance. But some of this stuff is still up. There's um, this long string of randomcharacters.com that I can put a link to in our uh, we saw something scary, but it's got images, documents about an oil drill by Tagarato. Um, there's a blog, a private blog called Jamie and Teddy, which everybody knows the password to. Another one called Missing Teddy Hansen, which is a blogspot page. Um, there, I think, is a MySpace page for TJ Miller's character. And they all they all, they all have uh, MySpace pages. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then you know the the creative minds behind the marketing campaign were working really directly with. Harry Knowles at Ain't It Cool News to uh, to kind of trickle some details out and you know lead people on to the next clue. Um, we really, ha- I mean, we had seen a campaign uh, in some ways like this with the Blair Witch Project, but like on the evolutionary chart, this is you know the the Blair Witch campaign was like the 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 ape who's just learned to walk upright. Mm-hmm. And what they did with Cloverfield was the fully evolved you know Homo sapien. Uh, it's 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 at a distance from us now, but that was really the the controlling emphasis and like what came to your mind first when you thought about this movie back in the day, right? Yeah, absolutely. So anyway, you can't can't talk about the movie as Derek already said without talking about the marketing campaign and the way that it's gone on to shape lots of different marketing campaigns that have been trying to replicate its success. I remember several years ago, um, it was Aqua Teen Hunger Force, I think that cartoon. Mm-hmm. And they went around and put up some graffiti around various cities, and it was interpreted as as a terrorist uh, graffiti tag. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, there, there's been other people trying to emulate this, but the the initial run, I think, here is is probably the most successful we'll ever see. Yeah, it was. Um, let's see. I'm just trying to I'm just trying to go back in time to 11 years ago, and uh, you know I just remember everyone was talking about this movie. Yeah. You know, uh, Lost was probably at its peak as far as like its creative heights at this point. Um, and, you know, everything that J.J. Abrams was doing was was turning to gold, which despite how you feel about Lost and, and how I, I'd say the majority of people feel about Lost, I still feel that way. The majority of the stuff that J.J. Abrams touches is is pretty good. Um, I can't think of really a stinker with the exception of Lost that uh, that people would think. But even then. That were really wasn't on J.J. Abrams, right? That was on uh, Linda Lindelof. Lindelof and, and Carlton Cruz. Yep. But um, but regardless, yeah, I just I just remember that all my friends were talking about this, and I had just I had recently just moved to Chattanooga by the time that all this viral marketing campaign had started. And if you'd listened to last week's episode with the Dark Knight, the Dark Knight and Cloverfield came out within six six months of each other. And so the same girlfriend that I was talking about last week that was with uh, with me at the Dark Knight was in love with the viral marketing campaign for Cloverfield and was incredibly pumped 
to see this movie and it came out pretty close to her birthday and uh, and so she that was all that was all that we talked about for like six months <laughs> you know she just she couldn't wait to see Cloverfield so anyway go yeah, ahead I, I was with it I didn't get into all the like sussing out the online details but like you said it was all anybody could talk about for sure if you're paying attention to pop culture anyway right uh, where do you want to start out on this movie as a movie Derek uh, man, I say we, I just say we go from the beginning and we hit it, you know, from the, from the major plot points. Okay. So you want to start off in the, in the party scene then? Sure. Yeah. Well, my initial salvo here is that I, I want to establish something we've already talked about at the beginning of this episode. I've now watched this movie twice. I, I never watched it in between my theater viewing and, and us watching it for this episode. I have liked it a lot both times. But I I didn't get particularly invested in any of the characters. I think that's what that party scene is supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're supposed to particularly care about Beth and what's-his-face's relationship. Right. I think I would have liked this movie just as much if we never went to that party. Okay. Uh, you know, I enjoyed the found footage of a monster attacking New York City. And if we'd have just stuck with the same couple people that we met on the first street scene, I, I really think I would have enjoyed this movie just as much. Were you drawn more into the, the character dynamics and relationship dynamics? No, no, I'll, I'll, I'll go ahead and, and be real honest with you. Um, I wasn't the biggest fan of this movie watching it the first time. Uh-huh. Um, I feel like that it's kind of, well, you know what? I, I'll take that back. It, it wasn't, it was a one and done for me, right? Oh yeah. Like, I mean, oh, obviously for me too. And if we yeah. hadn't recorded this episode, I don't know when I watched it again. Right. Yeah, exactly. Like, oh, okay. Well, I enjoyed that. I didn't enjoy it as much as I, I wanted to, or, you know, I, I was pretty pumped up about this movie and it didn't, it didn't hit where I wanted it to, but I don't feel bad about spending my 90 minutes in a movie theater watching the, watching the movie. Yeah. Uh, um, and on this, on this rewatch, I kind of feel the same way. Maybe just because now we're 11 years out and you all know my feelings on found footage movies anyway. And so it's, um, it was a little different on this, on this go around. I, I, I still enjoyed it. Um, it still felt fresh to me. And I guess it, the reason it felt fresh is because I haven't watched it since the initial run in the theaters, but, um, yeah, it, it wasn't my favorite, but yeah, I, uh, to, to go back to your original question, I think we could have been fine without the party. Like it really, it, <sighs> I I understand what they're going for. You want to you want to set up backstories on your characters and stuff, but this is a horror, you know, this like this is a monster movie and really the only character that any of us care about is the monster. So, you know, give me a backstory on the monster killing these people because I mean, that's what we're here for, right? Yeah, or even just more footage of them like running down alleys and away from soldiers or shooting at the monster and stuff. Yeah, yeah I, I could have done that too. Uh, truth be told, I, I am more of a like, I have more of a sweet spot for found footage movies uh, than you do. But this movie, that party stuff, really put me in jeopardy of finishing this rewatch because when they hand that camera off to uh, HUD, it is so shaky. Yeah, I thought, if this is how he's doing it in the party, I'm I'm not going to survive the rest of the, you know, when he's actually running and stuff. Yeah. But it got better. Uh, and I'm glad because, like I said, I, I really did enjoy the rewatch. Yeah. Do you know, do you know that there's like a documented like 160? people, I think, who got like incredibly sick watching this movie. Oh, I can believe it. I, I would imagine that 94 of them got sick during the party scene, just when HUD's supposed to be figuring out how to use the camera. Yeah. Uh, speaking of him, <laughs> I guess this is the first movie I can remember ever seeing T.J. Miller in. Yeah. Which, uh, you know, talking about time capsules, things went really great for that guy, and then things went really south for that guy. Yeah, man. Yeah, he's... Uh 
it's it's crazy to me. <laughs> um, you, you know, rewatching this, I was like, oh, it's T.J. Miller. That's cool. And, and then I was like, oh, T.J. Miller. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And that's kind of how I felt. Uh, I know you haven't watched the new Deadpool movie, but I watched it when it was in theaters. And um, I'm I'm a big fan of that of that uh, franchise. <laughs> and T.J. Miller, of course, plays a, a huge part in it. And I remember the first time he comes on screen on this one, I was like, oh, oh. <laughs> so, so that's kind of where I was at on this one, too. Um, yeah, man, what a what an arc that guy's at, for sure. I was thinking specifically about how wild it's been, how his career played out from this movie, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Lily Kaplan, I guess, is probably the, the other biggest star that's involved in this movie. Lizzie Kaplan? Um, I say Lily. Yeah, Lizzie. Um, but, I mean, nobody else really went on to do anything other than those two. Yeah. Yeah, I was I was actually, you know, looking up stuff on Wikipedia and looking up stuff on IMDb and, and stuff like I, I'm ought to do when we start researching movies. And it, it, I had forgotten, totally forgotten that T.J. Miller was in this movie. Uh, I remember Lizzie Kaplan because, obviously, Lizzie Kaplan has gone on to do, um, like you said, the, the majority of the of the most work, but it was crazy to me where I was like, man, did this movie just kill? Like, did they really die filming this movie? Cause I haven't seen any of these people <laughs> since then. Like, was there, was this like a documentary and we just didn't know about it? That's really funny. That's yeah. really funny. Uh, yeah. I, you know, to, not to spend too much more time on TJ Miller, but I have always remembered laughing out loud in the theater uh, at the bit where he's, you know, they're walking through that subway tunnel and he says, Hey, did you guys read? that story about the person who was setting hobos on fire down here. And he says, I just keep thinking about how scary it'd be to see a flaming hobo come running out of the darkness. <laughs> out of everything in this movie that uh, could have been memorable, that is the one thing that stuck with me the clearest through the intervening years of watching this movie. Mm-hmm. Anything else yeah. we want to say about that uh, You know, initial party scene into the moving into the street? Nah, man. Well, I think that the gold here, you've already mentioned, this is a monster movie. We like monster movies. This one really works as a monster movie. Uh, do you remember a found footage monster movie before this? No, no, I don't. Yeah, me either. And it seems like the most obvious thing in the world, you know, in hindsight. But at the time, it felt super fresh. Like, I felt like I was running through the streets. Yeah. Yeah, um... Yeah, I'm just I'm just trying to sorry, I'm just trying to think back to like if there's anything that was even remotely at this level at that point. I can't really think of anything that really kind of puts you in that moment. Well, I can't think of any either. And it seems like this this kind of did the thing so well that nobody was willing to even try it again until that most recent Godzilla movie. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh yeah, as as much as I as much as I bag on found footage, uh, this might be the one that gets it the most right because you really do feel like you're you're there. Um, this doesn't feel like, and, and you know what? And honestly, maybe that's a, a a good thing that none of these other actors have gone on to do anything. Yeah, because you're not like, oh, well, there's Lizzie Kaplan, or oh, there's T.J. Miller. You're like, oh, these are you know Beth and whatever that guy's name is. Yeah, um, you know what I mean? Like those are those are those actual people. And so you can kind of get a little more invested in them because you're not uh, I mean, I mean, does that make sense? Like, absolutely. You know, I think that's we, a great we, point. Yeah, we keep running back to the Mission Impossible theme, but like, Tom Cruise is Tom Cruise, mm-hmm. right? He's not Ethan Hunt to me. He's Tom Cruise. And right. I'm just like, oh, cool. Tom Cruise is, you know, jumping out of a helicopter at 57 or however old he is. Well, you know, like Wilford Brimley was younger than Tom Cruise when he did Cocoon. <laughs> no. 
Golly, that caught me out of left field, dude. No, that's hilarious, but what a world we live in. Scientology, man. Scientology. It's something. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, so, yeah, so it, it, it does feel really fresh, and it does feel really organic, and you do you do feel like you're there. And, you know, and maybe that's another reason for, like, the dizziness and the motion sickness and stuff because, I mean, it's realistic, dude. Like, you're not just going to – you're not going to have, like, a tripod with a Steadicam watching this monster destroy Manhattan. You're going to try to get the F out of the way. Yeah, I I read some criticisms of like, this movie doesn't have a good reason for filming. But I actually don't agree with that. I I think, you know, when they're they're trying to walk across the Brooklyn Bridge, uh, HUD said something like, man, people need to see this. It needs to be documented. And you would see a goofy guy all of a sudden become pretentious. And, hey, I've got the camera anyway. Might as well make a thing out of it. Like that, That seems credible. Now, how long the batteries lasted or how long the tape lasted? Not as credible. But the the reason we have the footage, I thought they they handled pretty well. Well, you you say that, Jeff, right? But let me pull up this uh, cool thing that I, cool little piece of trivia that I discovered today. The running time of the film without credits is roughly 80 minutes, which is the length of a long-running mini DV tape, a common format used in consumer camcorders. Well, good on them for paying attention to detail. Good job, JJ. Yeah. Way to go, Lindelof. You should have used JJ. (laughs) No, no, Lindelof gets no credit. I'm just, I'm being, I'm saying as sarcastic as possible. Like you should have kept JJ Abrams in the, in the loop on Lost. Oh, got you. I'm, 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 uh, hopefully going to be the director of our next Batman movie. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And Matt Reeves just, you know, finished up his Planet of the Apes trilogy. Like, Homeboy has, you know, has had a steady career. I had no idea that Matt Reeves was who directed this movie until re- doing the research on this. And then I was like, holy smokes, man. This guy's been around for a long time. You know, one of the, his earlier projects was Felicity. Oh, no. No, I, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, man. It seems like which one of these things does not belong. <laughs> right? Like, how do you go from Felicity with, with Carrie Russell to monster movies and Batman? I don't know, but Matt Reeves, thankfully. Scientology. That's how you do it. <laughs> Are you going to make me a Scientologist? <laughs> Jeff, we've got to talk. Uh, <laughs> I'm in this deep. e-meter. Just hold on to these <laughs> handles. I'm in deep here in Missouri. You're going to have to help me. <laughs> Derek's gone clear, everybody. Uh, <laughs> I'm uh, All my uh, thetans are gone. I'm we, good now. We will announce the time of his intervention on <laughs> We Saw Something Scary, or Facebook group. <laughs> we'll make it a Facebook Live video. <laughs> <laughs> Look for your invites. Oh, man. Yeah. So anyway, Matt Reeves, that's it's nuts to me to see how far that guy's come. Yeah. Um, If I can get the morbid out of the way. Yes, please. I feel weird saying it this way, but I actually think this is the case. This movie benefits from being released in a post 9-11 world. Yeah, I see that. I mean, when you're out on the street for the first time and you see that skyscraper get torn down. And and by the way, was that the Empire State Building that that went down? Uh, I... I want to say yes. Well, either way, you see that huge dust cloud come billowing down the street. And I, I don't know anybody who can watch that, at least not uh, an American, who can watch that and not think of 9-11. Yeah. And I, I mean, really, in a lot of ways, that monster uh, personifies 9-11 fears of, you know, like something hostile and unknown and uncontrollable is out there and it's out to get us and we don't know how yeah. to handle it. Yeah, 100%. I mean, that monster kind of captures that that spirit pretty perfectly. 
Yeah, that's a that's a great call. You know, the only other movie that I can think of with that same uh, visual imagery is Batman versus Superman. For sure, for sure. They, I mean, they're definitely going for that, uh, yeah. and they keep playing it. Is it in Justice League? No, no, it was Batman versus Superman: Dawn of Justice too, right? So. Man of Steel has everything get torn up, and then yeah, uh, yeah, Donald and then James. you see it, yeah, and then you see it from the Batman versus Superman. Yeah, that's right. Uh, you see, yeah, you see it from Bruce's point of view. Um, yeah, yeah, you, you know, um, it is crazy to think that like that's a benefit, um, you know, from from it being in a post nine eleven world, but you know, even especially then, man, and and I know that uh, the world is in still chaos right now and stuff, but. 2008, when this movie came out, the wound was still very fresh. Absolutely. And so to see images like that were still kind of almost shell shocking. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, especially Lady Liberty's head being thrown into the streets. I remember watching that and being like, holy, sh- that's, oh man, I didn't see that. You know, I mean, I saw it coming, but it's still kind of like hitching the breadbasket. So. Absolutely. I thought that effect yeah. works super well. I mean, this movie doesn't rely on a lot of like really big set pieces but it uses the one it, it it has really well even the detail of like the claw marks on her face when everybody's standing around taking pictures of it with their cell phones yeah that's really well done um yeah oh so let's talk about the monster for a second in my head going into this rewatch i thought we didn't really get a good look at the monster until that final scene in the park but uh right we do get much more I mean, and they're, they're glimpses we don't get sort of a full-on look but we do get to see the monster more than i remember yeah no i i was the same way man i thought that you only got one real good shot of him or it i don't i don't shouldn't put gender specific terms on the monster i guess but um, yeah, I, I, I was in the same boat that you were. So when you got flashes of it throughout the movie, I was like, oh, well, maybe I'm just maybe my memory's off and I'm just, you know, remembering this wrong. So that that was pretty cool. And and yet it's still a good idea on their part to to only give us like glimpses of the monster. Yeah, absolutely. Because I remember like literally leaning forward, trying to see more of the monster as if I were looking through, you know, under somebody's hat bill or something. Yeah. Uh, every time you would get a look at him. I, I or, think or, that, or it, yeah, I did the same thing you did. <laughs> or just, you know, we're just so used to uh, our monster, our monsters being um, male. What, uh, T.J. Miller? Uh, sorry. Maybe that, yeah, exactly. That's what I was about to say. Maybe that's a commentary on 2018 itself. Um <laughs> I think this is a great concept of the less is more. But also, if if memory serves me correctly, I think that's one of the things that frustrated people so much during the initial run of this movie was, what the heck, man? We've been waiting for sit, you know, we've been waiting for a year to see this dadgum monster, and now we can't even see it. What the heck's going on? So. Um, you know, I guess, I mean, no one's ever going to be happy with, with anything a hundred percent, but, uh, rewatching this movie, I thought that it was the right way to go about it because, you know, just like you said, you're, you're almost like having to rub your eyes and almost look through binoculars to get, you know, to like catch glimpses of it, even in your TV set. And I think, again, that just, that just adds to the realisticness, um, if, if that's even a tone in this movie, but you know, just, just another reason for the found footage stuff, right? Like you're trying to, you're, you're want, almost wanting to stop the movie and try to zoom in to see if you can get a better look at it. Well, that, I mean, that's the thing you couldn't do in the movie theater, which is why I think it works so well. Right. Uh, but I literally did that in this rewatch. Uh, my wife watched it with me and there's that scene where they see the building fall and they all run into the convenience store to escape the dust cloud. Mm -hmm. And while you're in there, HUD says, hey, I saw it. 
and and he says, I've got it on camera. And you're like, did we see the monster? So I rewound it. And you do see like the monster moving left to right across the screen. And in that time, I was like, that looks a lot more like a traditional Godzilla monster. So it's probably less frustrating since you can rewind and review, you know. Yeah. Um, is it, was that where he says it's alive now? Yes. Yes. Yeah. And that's where all the hubbub got where people thought he was going to be a Voltron movie because yes. people thought he was saying it's a lion. Yeah, that's right, dude. I had completely forgotten about that. Yeah. Yeah. So it's alive now was part of the trailer. And um, TJ Miller, you know, obviously says that. And I guess a lot of people thought that he was saying it's a lion. And so <laughs> just to show you the. Uh, just to show you the uh, gosh, man, level of scrutiny. Yeah, yeah, not just that, but just like the fantasy booking right. that went into this, right. like that went into this movie where people were just trying to make their own narrative, you know. And again, I think that's another reason why people were so disappointed in the movie when it originally came out was because it didn't fit anyone's narrative. No yeah. one saw this movie coming the way that it it panned out. That's a weird bit of dialogue anyway, right? It's alive now. Like, did he did he notice something that was not alive previously? Well, I don't. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a weird bit. Um, huh, I'd forgotten about that. Good. Thanks for the trip down memory lane there, Derek Zoo. Hey, man, that's what I'm here for. Just on the subject of effects. One other thing I really got into that I'd completely forgotten about was the rescue mission into the building that's leaning on another building. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that was a pretty cool little like action set piece. Yeah. Uh, which I guess I would imagine something like that taking place in a city that a Godzilla style monster attacked. Uh, hey, while we're uh, while we're going down memory lane on that, can I tell you about a part that I'd forgotten about? Oh yeah, Lizzie Kaplan blowing the f up. That's what. Yeah, I dude. About. Yeah, I forgot she got bit. Yeah, I forgot we got that scene of like blood coming out of every pore. Absolutely, man. That was yeah. that was gripping, even on the rewatch. Yeah, yeah. I remember that was the one part of the movie where I was like, "Oh!" in the theater, and then it hit me what was going on on the rewatch, and I was still like, "I don't know if I'm going to watch this or not." And then about that time, she popped like a pimple. <laughs> That's the grossest analogy you could have made, but thank you because yeah, it kind of captures it perfectly. Absolutely, it does Scientology. So, um. <laughs> Yeah, man, I just I'd forgotten about that completely. And it's crazy to me that I'd forgotten about that because that is the one thing that I remember talking to people about after watching this movie was, dude, there is a girl in this movie that is hot, but she gets blown the F up. (laughs) It is the most revolting thing I've ever seen. Yeah, it was pretty awful, dude. When that splatter hits the shield, you're like, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, this doesn't really hang on anything, but I appreciated the technique of the tape being recorded over. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, kids, kids, tapes were around back in uh, the early '90s and early aughts. You, you probably know nothing about them because you now have the cloud. But for some of us, that's all we had. There was a physical medium that had like time constraints on it. Um, yeah, but I mean, it works because you're seeing uh, what is that guy's name? Rob. You're seeing Rob. Bob and Beth's best day. <laughs> Dude, that should probably tell you how how little we cared for these characters because we we <laughs> were what an hour into this or maybe thirty minutes into the review and this is the first time we've mentioned the lead character's name. Yeah, and the only reason I remember Beth is because everybody says it constantly during the party. Absolutely. Um, 
but to the to the point about the tape, you see their best day being replaced by their worst. Yeah. And that's pretty good storytelling. Yeah. With foreshadowing from their best day of what's going to happen. Yeah. You right? want to elaborate that, that on that? Because falls- I didn't remember that at all from the first time I watched this. Yeah. So, you know, um, <laughs> man, I feel like that you and I are almost the same person on this thing because I felt the same way. Rewatching this movie and getting to that part in it, I was like, did I, did I watch this movie in theaters? Like, I know that I did, but there's a lot of it that felt fresh. Um, but uh, so what? I'm sorry. What happens during that? I'm trying to. Well, you remember they end up at Coney Island. Okay, yeah, that's right. So they're uh, they're there at Coney Island, and then in the background, you see an object falling from the sky into the ocean, and Rob and Beth have no idea that that's going on. And uh, I forget was was there like a timestamp on that? I mean, there is. I just don't. I mean, it's it's like one of the last things you see in the yeah. entire movie. It's right before they they kind of take a, a video selfie of each other smiling. Yeah. But just off to the right hand side, as you're looking at the ocean, uh, something <laughs> falls out of the sky. Yeah. And you know, maybe I was I just wasn't like that fixated on it, mm-hmm. or maybe maybe by that point I was done. I don't know. But on you know on the rewatch on this, I was like, oh look at there. You know, this is a really happy moment, and then it's already foreshadowing the doom that's that's falling. You know, that's about to happen. So pretty cool. Completely agree. Um, what did you think about the ending there, Derek? Ah, uh, man, I, I, I wasn't a, I wasn't a fan Me um, either. Yeah. Th- this movie almost comes off too bleak mm-hmm. for, for me. Uh, and I, I feel like, again, since since we've already brought it up in a post 9-11 world with the implications that happened in this movie, you want to see at least one person survive. Yeah, right. Um, and, and I mean, one person that you have spent the last 80 minutes of your time with and, you know, and you've maybe maybe you don't have a reason to cheer for them. But now you know them a little bit better than you did beforehand. And you'd like to see one of them come out of the rubble. Um, and yeah, so it was really uh, it, it leaves a bad taste in your mouth, in my opinion. Couldn't agree more. It, it is this um, it's this nihilistic ending. You know, they've, they've fought so hard to reconnect over the uh, all the barriers between them. And at the end of the day, the monster eats them anyway. It, it's just yeah, it's too cynical for my palate. Yeah, 100 percent. I was looking you know, through reviews on this and I had this nagging thought in my head. That this movie was like The Mist. And I guess I was thinking, like, well, I guess it's just based on the ending and the fact that monsters are involved. Mm-hmm. But to credit where credit is due, Todd Gilchrist on the IGN re- uh, review of this movie said that this uh, Cloverfield was a documentary version of The Mist. And I thought mm-hmm. that was pretty smart. Yeah, that's a really good way of putting it. Yeah. So kudos to you, Todd Gilchrist. Yeah. Um, but um, in that same vein, though, man, I think I enjoyed The Mist more than I enjoyed this movie. Oh, for sure. I mean, do you think that it's because you cared more about, uh, was it Thomas? Jane's character. Yeah, a hundred percent. I well, you just you you become um, you have certain feelings about all the characters, mm-hmm. right? Like that crazy lady who um, you know who uh, turns half of the half of them into a cult. You you know you you have a disdain for her. Um, you care about Thomas Jane. You care about the other lady that's in there with him. You care about uh, who was it? Was it Andre Brower who plays the African American gentleman? Yeah, and you got um, the the guy who played Truman Capote is the, like the clerk. Yeah. 
so, you know, like you, you care about those characters. Uh, the, really, the only character I cared about in this movie was Lizzie Kaplan. Um, it was, was her character. And, you know, of course, she she meets a gruesome end, what, halfway through the movie? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and also T.J. Miller. You know, you, you probably the one character you connect with in this movie is T.J. Miller, and he doesn't even make it to the end. So you're left with these, like, kind of white bread toast uh, <laughs> characters at the end of it who they've tried to build a loving relationship around and, and it failed. Um, yeah. So that's probably the biggest reason why is that you, you know, you spend more time with the characters in the mist and you get to know their, their backstories a little bit more and you get to, you know, you have people who you're going to cheer and you have people who you're like, yeah, I hope those monsters kill you. Um, and in this you're in this, you're just kind of like, I just want to see the monster. So, yeah. It, it, to your point about like the, the person you connect with most is, is HUD. You're right. He's supposed to be the, the eyes and ears of the audience there. And thinking about that, just listening to you talk, um, it, this movie kind of punishes the viewer, right? Like mm-hmm. you make it yeah. all the way through and you get eaten. <laughs> yeah. I hadn't considered that, but again, it just doubles up on the, the cynicism and the nihilism of the, of the conclusion. Yeah. But you know, what uh thinking about it also endings like that in the way that i remember them endings like that didn't happen in movies like that at the time right like you you always had a final girl or you always you always had someone make it and you know and and watch you know and they had the the ash and dust all over their bodies but they they got to watch the sunrise as the monster descended into the ocean or whatever you know what i mean right um so maybe that was also another reason why this ending doesn't work is because we weren't accustomed to it and it was so much of a gut punch it absolutely was a gut punch. Um, uh, you know, I guess really the only other thing I've got to say beyond that is uh, I thought it was funny to read Ollie Richards in Empire Online. He, he gushed about this movie in his review, uh, gave it five stars, but he ended uh, the, the review with a summary. And he said, a dazzling experiment that paid off immensely. Totally agree with you there, Ollie. This is cinematic pleasure at its purest. Again, I had a blast in the theater. One caveat. If they ever make a sequel, we're taking two stars back. <laughs> yeah, good call on that, Ollie. Yeah, and uh, I, I don't know, Derek. I, do you have anything else to add on this movie? No, I don't. Um, I'll I'll be real honest. I wasn't looking forward to watching this movie again. Um, it's just you know, like I like I said before, it was a one and done. I didn't necessarily hate my time in the theater. I, you know, I, I had fun, but I was like, I don't, I never have to watch this movie again and I'll be okay. So, uh, I, I was surprised at how everything turned out, but it's still, I don't know. Um, I mean, I guess, I guess we can hop into this part unless you had, do you have anything else? No, I mean, I'm, I'm tapped out. Okay. One to 10, where would you put it? Uh, you know, having been so pleasantly surprised by the rewatch on this, I'm, I guess I'll give this movie a seven. Okay. I would probably say five and a half to six. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just, and, and honestly, I would track with you on seven, but I, man, found footage, me and found footage just don't get along. Um, I six, I'll, I'll say six. I'll, I'll go ahead and, and plant my flag there on a six. Uh, the movie is fun in certain places. The ending is rough. Um, yeah. So I'm going to, I'm going to say a six. Okay. Um, did, did we see something scary? Yeah, I think so. Uh, I mean, not necessarily like the um, what your your normal scary movie way, but uh, again, you bring up a post nine eleven world. You bring up, um, 
you know, you bring up this scary monster. I, I mean, you could just say you saw something scary because Lizzie Kaplan exploded, right? Like, That's precisely where I'm going to, like, this is the bottom line of like, can I call this a scary movie? Yeah. But yeah, her blowing up and, and kind of feeling like anything could happen at any moment qualifies. Yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, I, I would say that we definitely did. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, you know, I mentioned sequels already and, and you said that you weren't looking forward to this rewatch. Next up for us is 10 Cloverfield Lane, and I really enjoyed that movie, but it does not strike me as a movie I'm going to enjoy rewatching. It's the, even more than the Cloverfield Paradox. Yeah. It's the movie I'm dreading the most out of this series we're doing. I always thought that 10 Cloverfield Lane was the reboot to Roseanne. You know, considering the way the reboot to Roseanne went, <laughs> maybe that should just be what we all agree to be the case. Yeah. Huh. You stumbled onto something there, Derek. Uh, Scientology. Uh, so anyway, here's the deal, man. You guys have heard from us. You you have now heard this review. We want to hear from you. What are your thoughts on Cloverfield? Share mm-hmm. them in our Facebook group. We saw something scary. You can go to our Twitter account at uh, Scary Podcast, or you can hit us up on Reddit at forward slash r forward slash saw something scary. And we would love to hear your thoughts and opinions on this movie. Who are you tracking with more? Do you agree with Jeff? Would you give it a seven? Would you agree with me? Would you give it a six? Would you say it's higher or lower? We want to hear from you guys now. So hit the message boards. Is that what we call that? A message board? Sure. I mean, Uh, this is a retro movie. We can use retro terms. Yeah, absolutely. Hit the Facebook group. Hit the message boards. uh, Send us a letter. Whatever you want to do, but let us know what your opinion is on this movie, because uh, I, I genuinely want to know. Uh, we have a lot of great discussions, and I know that we kind of dote on our Facebook group a lot every week, but we genuinely have great discussions in that Facebook group. And uh, I want to say thank you to those of you who are active and involved in it. Uh, you you make it a, uh, just a lot of fun for uh, both Jeff and I. And so I definitely want to hear your thoughts and opinions on this movie. For sure. Talking about hearing uh, you know thoughts and whatnot, if people want to connect with you outside the world of Saws on the Scared Derek, where can they do that? Uh, you can connect with me at Derek Zoo on all social media platforms, and you can visit DerekZoo.com uh, for more information on my uh, January Tennessee stand-up comedy tour. I'll also be going to Dayton, Ohio for a few a uh, few dates. Also, it looks like maybe Huntsville, Alabama and Orlando, Florida are going to be on the trip as well. So look for those dates. And then also, um, if you haven't yet, uh, please do me a favor and go like my fan page on Facebook. It's Derek Zoo Comedy. And uh, the the biggest reason because of that is I am trying to get to a thousand likes. And when I get to a thousand likes, I have a very top secret, important uh, project that I've been working on all year that even Jeff Wright doesn't know about. Oh. And I'm going to be talking, I'm going to be announcing what that is once we hit a thousand likes. So please help me out. Yeah, yeah. I'm currently, I'm currently like eight ninety nine. So we're, I mean, we're almost there. Absolutely. We got to make this happen, people. Let's get out there and get those locks. And uh, Jeff Wright, where can they find you at, my man? At Wright Jeff, most social media platforms. Uh, also want to plug our sister podcast that we have. We talked earlier about the Shazam cast. You can subscribe to that on all your favorite social media or <laughs> all your favorite podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on your social media channels as well. Uh, Jeff and I also run a podcast about professional wrestling. If that is something that you're interested in, it's called the Mega Potters. That drops every Friday on all of your favorite podcasting platforms. Uh, pretty excited because here in a few weeks, we're 
are going to be bringing on CBS Sports writer Brian Campbell Woo-hoo. to discuss some professional wrestling. And also wanted to say happy birthday to Brian Campbell. July 25th is his birthday. He turned 40 today. Lordy, lordy. Ooh. And um, so I wanted to say happy birthday to him. Jeff also runs a... Uh, a uh, let's see, a faith-based movie reviewing podcast with contributor to the show Jared Moore called Pop Culture Quorum Deo, which is a really cool podcast, uh, especially for those of you who are believers. And you can find that at uh, what's the what's the Twitter account for that, Jeff? PC CD Pod, as Derek mentioned, it is like super Christian. Uh, that's how we we talk through the movies. Uh, but if you're you know if you're a fellow Christian and you're interested in that. Uh, actually, this week we're talking about one of Derek and I's favorite movies in the horror genre, The Exorcism of Emily Rose. Ooh, yeah, I can't wait. Is that has that dropped yet? No, no, no. It, it's going to go in the edit bay with this episode, and, and they may come out the same day. Sweet. So I'll definitely be looking forward to listening to that one. Um, is that it? That's everything, right? Yeah, I think that's all covered. of our po- that's that's all of our podcasts. All right, good deal. So, guys, thanks so much for listening. Next week is 10 Cloverfield Lane. Uh, let us know what you think about Cloverfield. Also, let us know if you're going to be watching uh, um, Castle Rock. That comes out. And don't forget to download Granny and play that and let me know what you think about that as well. Man, a lot of good content this week, Jeff. Right? Absolutely. I'm pretty, I'm pretty proud of us. Pat's on, the, on, on our own shoulders. Yeah. I also want to apologize to anyone who may have been offended by the Church of Scientology jokes. <laughs> Go get that Ingram cleared. Yeah, I just I don't I don't want anybody coming after us. That's all. Uh, I don't I don't want anybody taking our sweet podcast money. That's all I'm saying. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. All that fat yeah. cash we're making. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right, guys, thanks so much for listening. As always, for Jeff Wright, I'm Derek Zoo, reminding you to stay away from clowns and sewers, or white people with teacups, and blind men with turkey basters. We'll see you guys next week. Get out. Get out.